This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight's presentation with an old friend, Boston Blackie. Now, it's a fascinating story, really. Writer Jack Boyle grew up in Chicago, and while working as a newspaper reporter in San Francisco, he became an opium addict and was drawn into crime and was jailed for writing bad checks. Later convicted of robbery, Boyle was serving a term in San Quentin when he created the character of Boston Blackie. Now, the first four stories appeared in the American magazine in 1914, with Boyle writing under the pen name number 6066. Now, Blackie was a jewel thief and safe cracker in Boyle stories. Actor Chester Morse was the best-known Blackie, playing the character in 14 Columbia pictures from 41 through 49, and in a 1944 NBC radio series, which we'll hear shortly. He had an interesting career. Uh, Morse made his sound film debut in the 1929 film Alibi, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. And later that year, Morse was cast as one of the leads with Wallace Berry and Robert Montgomery in the MGM prison drama The Big House. And for the next two years, he worked steadily in films for United Artists and MGM and was cast opposite Gene Harlow in the 32 comedy drama Red-Headed Woman. Now, by the mid to late 30s, Morris's popularity had begun to wane and he was cast as the lead actor in such B-movies as Smashing the Rackets in 1938 and Five Came Back in 39. But in 1941, Morris's career was revived when he was cast as criminal-turned-detective Boston Blackie. Morris appeared in a total of 14 Boston Blackie films for Columbia Pictures, beginning with Meet Boston Blackie, and he reprised the role of Boston Blackie for the radio series in 44. During World War II... He performed magic tricks in over 350 USO shows. He had been practicing magic since the age of 12 and was considered a top amateur uh, magician. And while appearing in the Boston Blackie series, Morris continued to appear in roles in other films, mostly for Pine Thomas films for Paramount Pictures. And after appearing in uh, 1949's Boston Blackie's Chinese Venture, the final Boston Blackie film, Morris largely retired from films, and during the 50s, he focused mainly on television and theater, returning to Broadway in 54 in the comedy The Fifth Season. In November of 1960, he returned to Broadway as Senator Bob Munson in the stage adaptation of the 1959 novel Advise and Consent. Pretty good actor. Morris remained with the production until it closed in May of 1961. And we're going now to hear... Boston Blackie and the episode Joe Gates Murdered.
folks, here we are. The high spot of our sightseeing tour, Chinatown. With the mystery of the Orient, the glamour of the Far East. Now let's step lively, that's right, folks. Our first stop is the Temple of Buddha, and then the Theater of the Orient with its delightful dancing girls. Hurry, Matilda. Hurry, we, we don't want to miss anything. Oh, there's no rush, Homer. Now let the others get out of the bus first. He'll wait for us. <laughs> you can't fool me, Homer Fosdick. You want to see those dancing girls. <laughs> All right, Matilda. We can leave now. Oh, uh, what about this young man in front of us? He's asleep. I know. He slept through the better part of this tour. Well, let's wake him. I'm sure he doesn't want to miss any of Chinatown. Well, hey, young man, uh, wake up. We're in Chinatown. Homer, speak louder. Oh. Shake him by the shoulder. Oh, wait till I get up. All right, young man. Oh, my, he's falling from his feet. Oh, catch him, Homer. I, I, I can't. Oh, Homer, oh, there's something wrong with that young man. But you're right, Matilda. There is something wrong with him. Oh, my there's heaven. a knife in his chest. Oh, dear, dear. He's been murdered. Oh. And now on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy... Friend to those who have no friend. Guys, guys, mister. Oh, 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 this is really a sightseeing tour. $35 is the last bid for this lovely antique vase, ladies and gentlemen. Do I hear 40 Do I hear 37 $35 going once. Going twice. Sold to the lovely lady in the green hat for $35. Now, uh, the next item we have for your pleasure is an imported genuine... Oh, excuse me. Just a minute, Falk. Excuse me. Uh, what is... Uh, Beasy just came in. He says he's got to see you. I'll take over. Yeah. Okay. All right, folks. Now, the next item that we have for your pleasure is a genuine imported... What's so important, Beasy? I got good news for you, Slocum. Okay, let's hear it. I found Joe Gates. Where is he? Oh, you don't have to worry about him. I spotted him getting on a sightseeing bus to Chinatown. Uh-huh. He didn't see me until I sat down next to him. Are you sure I don't uh, have to worry about him? Yeah, I'm positive. And I've been thinking this job took me a little longer than I thought it would. So it should pay me a little more. I'm a reasonable man, Beasy. How much more? thousand dollars more. Uh-huh. How uh, did you uh, take care of him? With a knife. Like this. Oh. Uh, can I see it? Yeah, sure, Slocum. Here. Just like any other knife. It had a friend, but I left it in Joe Gates. <laughs> <laughs> you see? Just like any other knife. And, uh, you're just like any other cheap killer. A no good chump. Slocum. No, you're. Oh. Thought you would blackmail me, hmm? I said I was a reasonable man. 
not a stupid one. Blackie? Yeah? What do you think? Well, I don't know, Mary. Uh, where would you get an antique chair? Uh, Gloria Stanton bought one, an, an authentic uh, Louis Couture's chair at an auction gallery for only $15. Oh, really? We laid her off at $100 for it. A hundred dollars for a second-hand chair? Well, Blackie, it was an antique. Oh, I don't care what. Louis Fourteenth sat on it years ago. Okay, but can anybody sit on it today? <laughs> oh, Blackie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mary. Say, Harry Slocum runs one of those auction rooms. Hmm? Who's Harry Slocum, friend of yours? No, no, he's a character who somehow manages to miss being put in jail. Oh. He comes mighty close to it. And he runs an auction room? Yeah, mm-hmm. as a front for something illegal. Oh? I don't know what it is. <laughs> but... You know, wanting to buy a chair will give me an excuse to snoop around Slocum's auction room. After all, how far apart can iniquity and antiquity be? Are there any more bids for this delicate set of bone china? Now, my last bid is $100. Do I hear $110? Do I hear $110? All right, then, going once for a hundred, going twice for a hundred, gone to the gentleman in the third row. Oh, good. Thank you. And that's all for this morning, folks. We'll see you again tomorrow. Hey, boss, I got rid of the suckers. What busy want? Too much, Claire. I don't get the double talk, boss. And busy didn't get what he wanted. Hey, who's that on the floor? It's busy. Yes, we can't leave him there. Cliff... Help me get him into this barrel. And then what? We're going to take the barrel down to my boat, and we're going to drop Beezy in the barrel into the water. Oh. Any more questions, Cliff? Hey, Rollins. Yes, Inspector Faraday. You found all these identifications on the body? Yes, sir. Guy in the bus said the body hadn't been touched by any sightseers. Mm. Nothing was taken. Of course something was taken. What? There was no identification on him. Oh? No fingerprint record on him. There were no laundry or cleaning marks on his clothes. So? Because all his stuff was brand new. Well? And who was he? I don't know. Now, what about the person who discovered the body? Well, that was an elderly couple. But the guide let him get away when he went to call us. Great. The guy is stabbed to death in the middle of a crowded bus. No identification, no nothing. That's right. No, the only thing good about this case is Boston Blackie isn't on it. Hey, boss, how much further? A little more, Cliff. I want to get beyond the coast patrol. I don't like it. Suppose they catch us. They won't. Yeah, but if they make a stop, they'll find Beasley's body on his boat. I don't like it, I tell you. I should have left you in the auction room, Cliff. Who would think of looking in a barrel for a body? Nobody. I can't help it. I still don't like it. I didn't like killing him, but it had to be done. It's because he killed Joe Gates for me. He tried to blackmail me. All right, Cliff, you can cut the motor. What now, boss? Help me roll this barrel over to the side. Okay. Now, wait, hold it. I'll push it in the water yet. What are you doing with that gun, boss? I'm going to ventilate this barrel. What? Hey, are you going crazy? The idea of shooting in that barrel, Beezy's dead, you know that. What's the idea? I'm just making sure that Beezy's body doesn't float to the surface after we dump him. 
Ah. With all those holes in the barrel, it'll sink right to the bottom. And I want Beezy to be gone a long time. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, Cliff, lift. There he goes. Uh, uh, easy now. I don't want to stop over with the barrel. Okay, I got it. I rested on the rail. Yeah. Uh. Let's get this over with. Okay, Cliff. Now, do I hear any more bids for this genuine antique barrel? No? <laughs> well, going once, going twice. God. <laughs> so long, Beezy. All right, Cliff, let's get out of here. Blackie, the auction gallery's closed. In the middle of the day, Mary, something's wrong here. Huh? Must be another entrance. Oh. Come on. Well, uh, I suppose somebody's in there. Well, you want to buy a chair, don't you? Well, sure. Oh, here's a side door. Oh, is it locked? Well, if it is, it's not going to be for long. <laughs> and there we are. Now, be careful. Hmm. This is dark. Yeah, it sure is. Nobody in? It's all ours. Blackie, I, I smell paint. Okay. Watch where you're going now. Yeah. Follow me. Okay. Careful now. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. What's the matter? Oh, I think I got some paint on my sleeve. Oh, hold it. Here's a light switch. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Shade of green looks uh, rather well with your dress, Mary. Oh. Hey, look around and let's get out of here. <laughs> okay. Hey, this place is loaded with stuff. All the dishes, tables, and lamps. Mm-hmm. And there's some chairs. Hold it, Mary. Hmm? In front of you on the floor. Oh. Looks like blood. It might be. And whoever put it there doesn't have much left. Somebody must have been in a hurry, Blackie. He left his hat there, too. Yeah. There's paint on the hat. The same color as on the door frame up uh-huh. there. It must have been on the tall side. Initials inside the band, uh, B.J. B.J.? Huh. Mary, I think this B.J. left his blood, his hat, and his life here. Uh-oh, what are you going to do? Call Faraday. Might as well put him to work on this. See any phone? Uh, Yeah. On the desk there behind you. Oh, thanks. See anything else, Mary? No. No, I don't. Oh, nothing that'll help us, that is. Homicide, Faraday. This is Blackie, Inspector. Have you found any bodies lately? What am I, a ghoul? Sometimes I wonder. I don't have any bodies. Uh, You have no head either, so that's abnormal enough. Oh. Uh, What about the dead body you've got down at the headquarters right now? Were you on that sightseeing bus? Oh, is that where you found him? As if you didn't know. Well, have you identified him yet? We're working on it. Good. Look, Blackie. Faraday, his, his, his initials are B.J. Oh, well, that makes everything nice and easy. There can't be more than a million people with those initials. Well, look, you've got to do some work, you know. Oh, who else? I can tell you what the body looks like. He looks like he was dead. Okay, genius, I'm listening. He's about six foot one and wears a hat size uh, uh, seven and an eight. I got news for you, genius. What? The corpse is 5'4". His head size is six and a half. Huh? Goodbye, genius. I'm busy. Back to Boston Blackie. Beasy Jones, a killer, trails Joe Gates on a sightseeing bus and stabs him to death. When Beezy tries to get more money for the job from Boss Slocum, owner of an auction room, Slocum kills Beezy and dumps him in the ocean. 
Because Mary wants to buy a chair, Blackie uses this as a pretext to search Slocum's plate. Blackie finds a puddle of blood and a hat with the initials B.J. in it. Blackie calls Inspector Faraday, but Faraday is working on the murder of Joe Gates, and Beezy's death has not as yet been reported. As we return to our story, Homer and Matilda Fosdick, the elderly couple who discovered Joe's body on the sightseeing bus, are coming to see Inspector Faraday. Hey, come along, Homer. All right, Matilda. Inspector Faraday's office is right down here in this car there. Oh, Matilda, do you think we should? Oh, it's our duty. Well, I suppose so. Murder running loose, and we must help the inspector catch him. Well, I hope we do. Here's the office. Come in. Inspector Faraday? You know, he is in just now. Then what are you doing in his office? Well, I'm waiting for him. Can I help you? Yeah, well, we're here to see the justice is done. We are going to help the inspector solve the murder. Well, up till now, that's been my exclusive privilege. Tilda, don't you recognize this man? No, uh... He's Boston Blackie. <laughs> well, so he is. <laughs> Wait till the girls in Cozy Corner hear about oh, him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you must be helping the inspector find the murderer, that nice young man on the sightseeing bus. Oh, were you on that bus? Oh, we sat right behind the young man. Yes, and we were the ones who discovered he was dead. Yeah. Now, we figured that that young man must have been stabbed to death by the fellow sitting next to him. Well. And we saw that other man. Oh. Didn't we, Homer? Well, we certainly did. You saw the other man? Did you get a good look at him? I should say we did. Well, he I was a big man with a scar on the left side of his face. Yes. And he had dark hair. And he was wearing a gray felt hat with a snap rim. You found the man? Uh, no, uh, just a hat. Oh. oh. Now think hard, will you please? Uh, did this man... With a scar, have bushy eyebrows. Yes, yes. yes. Blackie, you know the killer. I think I do. He's Beezy Jones. He's a cheap hood. A uh, cheap hood. See, Homer. See, I told you we'd help solve the case. Well, isn't that right, Blackie? <laughs> Not quite. You see, uh, somebody killed Beezy. Uh. Now we have to find the killer's killer. Oh. <laughs> Boss, Clef. The next time I won't miss, Clef. You gone crazy? Put that gun down. No, you ain't gonna get rid of me like you did Beasy. Now where did you get such a fool idea? That's the way you operate. I know you. First Beasy kills Joe Gates, and you kill Beasy, so nobody can trace it back to you. So what? Now you're gonna kill me because I know about Beasy and Joe. That'll be a sap, Clef. I need you. Yeah. I trust you. Put that gun down. Ah, oh, no, you're not gonna stuff me in an old barrel. Oh, of course I'm not now, Clef. Uh, go on, put that gun down. Oh no, you're my right hand man, yeah. Clef. I trust you. Sure. I need you, Cliff. Well, well, that's better. I don't know. Cliff, I couldn't kill you. After all, I don't have Joey or Beezy anymore. That's right. You're my right-hand man. I'm the only one that's left. Blackie, what are you doing behind my desk? I just wanted to see how the idle glass operates, Faraday. What kept you? What kept me? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. It's like this. We've been trying to identify the body we found on the bus. Any luck? Yeah. We managed to get results once in a while. Corpse is Joe Gates. I know who killed him. Same way you identified a corpse you never saw? Mm, well, I... Look, Blackie, why don't you take a vacation from being a pest? 
Beat it. Relax, Faraday. I'm a taxpayer and headquarters of civic property. Besides, the elderly couple who found Gates dead in the bus were just here. Yeah, well, where are they now? I sent them home. You what? They told me everything they knew. They described a guy sitting next to Gates on the bus, and I'm sure it was B.Z. Jones. Oh, why didn't you say so? Now all we have to do is find B.Z. Jones. We have our case. Yeah, not quite. Why not? B.Z.'s dead. Remember, I thought your corpse had the initials B.J.? Oh, so that was your corpse. All right, where is it? Well, I don't know. You see, I was doing some investigating in the back of Slocum's auction. Slocum, one. where does he come into this? Now, what are you talking about? If I... you'll stop making so much noise, maybe you'll learn something. Okay, teacher, go ahead. But it better be good. It is. I found blood in the back of Slocum's place, and near the blood, a hat with the initials B.J. in it. Yeah, so? So, Slocum is supposed to be running a legitimate auction yeah, room. Yeah, But I think it's a front for stolen goods. There's your case, Faraday. Where? Gates tried to pull some kind of a stunt, so Slocum hired B.J. to take care of him. So... And then Slocum killed Beezy. Yeah. It's all tied in with this racket in the auction room. Yeah. Why don't you investigate Slocum's place, Faraday? Maybe you'll find auctions speak louder than words. Oh, he still haven't found a chair, Blackie. And Faraday still is looking for a killer. Yeah. Look, Mary, I think I can wind up this case, but oh. I need your help. How about it? Well, I, I did want to get back to my place and change his dress. Well, well, what do you want me to do? You ought to go to Slocum. Yeah. And pose as B.C. Jones's girlfriend. Oh, just call me Mabel. Well, that's the idea. Yeah. Uh, tell him B.C. told you all about the racket, mm-hmm. and the auction room being a front for stolen goods and so forth, and, and, and B.C. taking care of Joe Gates, of yeah. course. And tell him B.C. kept a record of all his work. You mean a, a diary? Um, yeah, some sort of a little record book. Mm-hmm. And he's left it in your apartment, yeah. just in case anything happens to him. Yeah, I get it. Now, your job is to get him to come to your apartment after that little book. Oh, yeah. I'll do the rest. Brown. Yes, sir? Uh, bring in that sightseeing guide, will you? Yes, Inspector. Okay, you. Come on in. Yeah, sure. Gee, Inspector, I'm sorry I haven't been able to tell you more, but I couldn't help it if those people ran away when I went to call you. Sit down. Yes, sir. Uh, if you saw any of the people who were on the bus, would you recognize them? Oh, I sure would. I got a photographic memory. Mm-hmm. See it once? I always remember it. Yeah. Uh, Rollins, get me those photographs. Well, I got them right here. Here you are, sir. Thanks. Now, you say you got a photographic memory. You remember this face? The man with the scar? Yeah, right here. Yeah, yeah, he was on a bus. He sat uh, right next to the guy who was killed. Okay, you can go now. That's all? Yeah, thanks, and so long. Oh, you're welcome. Ben Rollins, looks like Blackie was right. It was B.C. Jones who killed Joe Gates. Now all I gotta do is figure out what happens next. <laughs> I'm, um, Mrs. Slocum. Well, we're not open for business today. Tomorrow. No, my business is private. And it can't wait. Oh. Well, down there, his office door is open. Thanks. Hello? What do you want? Mr. Slocum? Yeah. Beasy sent me. Beasy. Come in, close that door. 
Okay, now what's your story, sister? My name's Mabel Warren, and Beezy and I are going to be married. And he said he was coming here this morning to get paid for taking care of Joe for you. How did you know Let that? Let go of my arm. Beezy told me everything. He even kept a record of all his deals. You don't say. And I got it. Just in case anything happens to Beezy. You almost had me fooled. Huh? You've been here before. That huh? green paint on your sleeve. You must have been around this morning after Beezy and I left. I don't know what you're talking about. I do, and I recognize you. You're Mary Wesley, Boston Blackie's girlfriend. Oh, I Clint! Clint! You're crazy. Call me, boss? Yeah, I got a job for you. Well, I'm still painting that chair. I can wait. Uh, let go of me. No, I'm not Mary Wesley. I told you my I'll name take was... Take it Ma- easy, Miss Wesley. Cliff, this is Boston Blackie's girlfriend. What? I want you to take care of her. Oh, no. Uh, Cliff, I'm the boss, remember? I don't okay. care. I give the orders. After all, you're my first assistant, and I trust you, remember? Here's a guy. I don't kill no dames, boss. That's out. Anything but that. It's either that or nothing, Cliff. I don't kill no dames. All right, then here goes nothing. No, boss, no! Oh, you... You killed him. You shouldn't have said no to me. I'm the boss, you see. I give the orders. Ah, don't try to get away. Well, what are you going to do? First, you're going to help me get Cliff's body in a barrel and onto my boat. Oh, now, look. I got Beezy's diary in my apartment. Oh, stop that. Let's We're not go. going near your apartment. This is one of Blackie's tricks. But, brother, did it backfire? I just remember this, Miss Wesley. Yeah. I'm not afraid to use this gun, so don't try to run. Blackie will take care of you. Blackie is in your apartment waiting for me to show. Oh, yeah? You didn't fool me. Oh. Now, let's get the barrel out of the side of this truck. Come on, hurry up. I don't... Now, grab one side. Go on. You're out of your mind. Is that bad? All right, now lift. I can roll this barrel down the gang, blacking on the boat myself, so I'll take care of you right now. Nice of you, Slocum. Blackie! Oh, Blackie, am I glad to see you. But look out, he's got a gun. Yeah, and I can use it too, Blackie. Give you a chance to show me. Oh. Uh, Take care of Slocum. Yeah. He's pretty draped over that barrel. Oh, he sure does. Are you all right, Mary? Yes, Blackie, but how did you get here? You were supposed to meet me at my apartment. Well, when you left, I I remembered the paint on your sleeve and realized that if Slocum saw it, he'd put two and two together. He did, Blackie. He wanted one of his gunmen, Cliff, to kill me, but Cliff wouldn't, so Slocum killed him and he stuffed him into this barrel. Uh-huh. It was awful. Now, take it easy, Mary. Yeah. How, uh... How did you get here? Well, when I realized what might happen, yeah. I got down to the auction room just in time to see you drive here with Slocum. Oh, boy, am I glad you did. Uh, what do we do now? Call Inspector Faraday and tell him we have his killer over a barrel. And now, here is a preview of what happens next week. What are you doing home on such a gorgeous day? Waiting for you to come over so we can take off for a drive in the country. Oh, well, what are we waiting for? Not a thing. Come on, let's... Uh, you want me to answer, Blackie, or should we ignore it? I'd better take it. Otherwise, I'll be wondering all day who is calling. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Hello. That's funny. Hmm? What's the matter? There was somebody on the phone, and when he heard my voice, he hung up. Yeah, you know what they say about uh, when a man answers. <laughs> Oh, good night. Now there's somebody at the door. Well, I'll take it this time. Yes? What? 
somebody out here. Oh, but there must be. Well, the hall's empty. So look, here's an envelope. Four. Whoever rang the bell must have left it and run. Yeah, well, let's see what it is. Come on, hurry. Okay, Mary, now take it easy. Okay, I'll Well, Blackie, what's in the envelope? Well, look to yourself. It's empty. First the phone rings and nobody's at the other end. The doorbell rings and the hall's empty. Huh. And now this envelope with nothing in it. Golly. And the fact that nothing is in it means something's going on. Stay tuned for Life with Luigi next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Life with Luigi. We invite you to enjoy life. Life with Luigi, a new comedy show created by Cy Howard and starring that celebrated actor, Mr. J. Carol Nash with Alan Reed as Pasquale. Vasco left Italy to start his new life in America, he promised his mother that he would write and tell her about his adventures. So now let's read Luigi's letter as he writes to Mama Vasco in Italy. Dear Mamma Mia, America is a land with a very high standard of a living. Everybody saves money so he can buy a refrigerator, a washing machine, a dishwasher, and a vacuum cleaner. Seems like everybody here has got these things. People who can afford it, they buy. People who can no afford it, they go on a quiz program. <laughs> Another big American thing. Everybody has got a car. They got all kinds of here. There's the sedans, the trailers, the trucks. And Americans are so rich that they even got a car for chickens. That's called a coop. <laughs> a car is a wonderful thing. You remember Mama Mia in the old country during the war? How American boys had taken me for driving his car? Well, it wasn't exactly a car, it was something like a cement mixer. <laughs> and he used to call it a jeep. <laughs> Mama Mia, how that car is a shake. Remember once how we go for a ride? Me and Uncle Pietro and his ghost. And when we come back, I'm losing my watch. <laughs> Uncle Pietro is losing his teeth. <laughs> and the goat is refused to give a milk for three days. <laughs> Since that time, I'm always the one to own my own car. And after one year, I'm going to save $100. And now I'm going to make my dream come true. Of course, with $100, I'm not going to afford the new 1949 car. I'm going to have to be satisfied with a 48. <laughs> but right now is the time for my night school class, so I'm going to go and ask my teacher, Miss Spaulding, for advice about the buying a car. All right, let's come to attention. I'll call the roll. Mr. Basco? Present. Mr. Harwood? Present. Mr. Olson? Present. Mr. Schultz? Absent. <laughs> Mr. Schultz, you're present. Why do you say absent? I just want to create a sensation. <laughs> oh, thank you, fellow boobers. Thank you. All right, Mr. Schultz, you can stop bowing. Now, class, our lesson... 
Oh, yes, Mr. Basco, what is it? Well, Miss Spaulding, today's the biggest day of my life. And I'm like so much if the classes are helping me. Well, certainly, Mr. Basco, what is it? Well, today I'm going to buy my own car. A car? And, uh, oh, no, he's here. It's a big shot. A big shot? He's an explosion. Class, <laughs> <laughs> please. Mr. Basco, why don't you wait until after the bell? I'm sure one of your classmates can help you in the selection of a car. Now, class, our lesson for today is spelling. And we are going to study words which contain letters that we don't pronounce. Now, Mr. Basco, will you volunteer to spell the word knife? Knife. K-N-I-F. The E is a silent. <laughs> Not exactly. Mr. Schultz, will you try? I try, but I don't give a guarantee. <laughs> knife. B. Just a moment, Mr. Schultz. <laughs> there is no B in knife. This is a Boy Scout night. <laughs> Class, I will spell the word. K-N-I-F-E. K-N-I-F-E. That's Kniffy. <laughs> no, the word is nice. K is the silent letter. K is always silent in front of N. Is that so? What about Knockburg? <laughs> Now, will someone in the class give us an example of another word with a silent letter? Oh, yes, Mr. Olson? Yeah. <clears throat> in the sentence, I gnash my teeth. Gnash is spelled G-N-A-S-H. And the G is silent preceding the N. <laughs> oh, what a show-off. If I were so smart, I'd shoot myself. <laughs> please, Mr. Schultz, please. That was excellent, Mr. Olson. Excuse me, Miss Spaulding. I'm always annoyed that the Nash has a silent motor, but uh, this is silent the G is in the 49 model or two. <laughs> now, that's the kind of fella I like. That's a dumbbell. <laughs> no, no, Mr. Basco. I can see you can't get your mind off cards. Now, can anyone here tell Mr. Basco where to get a car? Louis. Uh, how about Louis the Lunatic? That's right, Luigi. You go right down to Automobile Row on Dearborn Street. Dearborn Street? Yeah, yeah, but you've got to be careful with these dealers, you know. They are all sharpshooters. On account of them, my brother Ludwig got the best buy in his life. In three years, he's never had a flat, never had to change a spark plug, never uses any oil, no trouble at all. What did he buy? A horse and wagon. <laughs> I'm getting a little tired of your... Oh, oh, that's right. Right. oh, sometimes they act like a lot of little school children. Cannot voice. <laughs> Excuse me, mister. I'm like to buy a car here. Yes, sir. You've picked the right lot. I got just what you want. 2300 2700 3500 Anything you like, drive it right out. How much do you want to spend? $100. <laughs> well, come on over here around the back. We might find something for you. All right. Ah, now, there we are. Here is a fine selection of cars around the $100 class. Ah, nice, eh? Looks just like a museum. <laughs> Well, now, let's see. Just what kind of a car do you have in mind? How, how about a convertible, eh? Do you like to drive with the top down? No, I'm always aware of hat. <laughs> well, uh, how about this car here? Do you like it? It's an old. No, that's a too old. 
Hey, mister, did you ever drive a car before? Well, a long time ago in the older country. Oh, I you see. I'm not too long from Italy. I see. Well, now, buddy, I got just the car for you. <laughs> yes, sir, here it is, a stud. Hardly been used in the last 32 years. <laughs> well, look at the dashboard. Only 5,000 miles. And I'm the original guy who pushed back the speedometer. Is <laughs> it good, huh? Oh, it's sensational. Not like any ordinary car, you know. This car is different. No windshield, no bumpers, no radio, no heater, no spare tire, no fuel pump, no radiator. Just a good, honest set of used parts. Uh-huh. <laughs> now... I'm not so sure that you've got the money. If you've got it, put up or shut up. That's the American way. Well, sure, sure. I got the money here. Well, that's the ticket. One hundred old dollar bills. We've been waiting for you. Here's the bill of sale. Sign right here. You got a driver's license? No, but I can drive. Okay, then drive right down to City Hall. Get a learner's permit. Hop in. That's right. We stand behind every car we sell. Only way we can push them off the lot. Get set. Goodbye. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Mamma mia, we're going to fight. Three, four, to five miles an hour. Hey, Mr. Felderman, look at me. Hello, Mrs. Felderman. Hey, Luigi, you've got a car. Hey, look at Luigi. He's a millionaire. You got a job in the circus? <laughs> what are you talking about, Pasquale? I'm not just to buy myself a car. What does it look like? How many guesses do you give me? Are uh, you just saying that because I didn't need any help from you? No help from me, eh? Hey, Luigi, why are you putting those two blocks under the front wheel? That's a new invention, emergency brake. <laughs> Pasquale, I know it's not the best car, but at least it's all the mine. Now I can drive down the street and everybody's to say... Look, Luigi. He's a look like a real American. Yeah, and this a car, you look like a real American. Buffalo Bill. <laughs> uh, tell me something, Luigi. You got auto insurance? Auto insurance? What's that? Well, it's like a life insurance. Oh. So you don't get paid until the car dies. <laughs> Looking under your car, I'm thinking somebody's already collected. <laughs> then, I, then I'm going to need the insurance. Oh, but there's insurance you've got to have that's much more important. That's for accidents. There's a single indemnity, that's if you hit a one person. Then there's a double indemnity, that's if you hit a twin. <laughs> but Pasquale, I'm not going to hit anybody. What are you talking about? You've got a car? Use it. <laughs> but Pasquale, I'm just spending all of my money on my car. I'm not going to afford this insurance. Oh, Luigi, that's so bad. Bad? Terrible. Tell me, little man, you got an operator's license? But Pasquale, what's for? I'm going to need operator license. I'm not going to work for the phone company. <laughs> I can show how stupid you are. 
Operator license is a meaner when you hit somebody. You got a license to operate on them right away. <laughs> and you ain't got that either. Oh, Pasquale, all I'm got is a learner's permit and a book of rules to study. What am I gonna do? I should never have bought a car without asking you advice first. Now, that's the first the smarter thing I've heard since we started talking. <laughs> Luigi, when I'm going to see you look so sad, my heart is melted like a parmesan cheese and a hot spaghetti. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do for you? What, Pasquale? I'm going to pay for you auto insurance. I'm going to see through it you get your operator license, your driver license, and instead of this old jalopy, I'm going to buy you a brand new car. Pasquale, you're going to do all of this for me? But why? Because I'm a lover of you, you little pumpkin ahead. <laughs> With eyes are like a two pumpkin seeds and a nose are haggard like a banana. <laughs> oh, stop it, Pasquale. You're making me blush in the street. And now that I'm going to do you a little favor, maybe you do me a little favor. <laughs> favor? What the favor you want I should do for you? Well, while you down at City Hall getting your driver's license and your operator's license, Maybe you go to the next window and get a one or more license. Well, sure, Pasquale. What the kind of license you want I should get? Marriage license for my daughter, Rosa. <laughs> no, Pasquale, I'm not going to marry Rosa. She's a too fat for me. Luigi, it's a no fat to call a girl a fat just because she's a happen to weigh 240 pounds. 250. <laughs> what do you say? I say 250. I say 240. She said, I don't have a supper yet. <laughs> Do me a favor. Just marry Rosa for a little while. You'd be surprised to have my little flower she's going to grow out of you. Pasquale, I'm a no flower pastor. <laughs> All right, you big stupid. And now I'm going to tell you something. They're never going to give you a driver license with that old wreck you bought. No? No, you're lucky if you stay out of jail. Jail? Sure. When you start driving through the streets like a crazy man, chasing the people down the cellars and up the roofs and running for their lives, you know what it's going to say in a newspaper headline? What? Chicago's a hit to buy a new atom bomb. <laughs> Mama me, I'm just start out to buy a car, and now I'm lucky if America doesn't declare a war on me. <laughs> For the second act of Luigi Basco's adventures in Chicago, we turn to page two of his letter to his mother in Italy. So, Mamma Mia, although I'm realizing my big ambition to own a car like a real American, I'm afraid it's going to bring me a lot of trouble. Pasquale is to say my car is a look so terrible, I'm never going to get driver's license, so I'm going to try to fix it up. I'm a shine up with the car nice and clean with the two cans of his shoe polish. <laughs> also, I'm a put a wallpaper on the inside. <laughs> and to make it a car look more expensive, I'm a paint a spare tire on the back. <laughs> but still, I'm having a lot of trouble with a car. Three times a day, the street cleaning department has tried to take it away. <laughs> Biggest trouble I'm having is reading the rule book and trying to learn the traffic rules for my driving test. Mamma mia, what's the rule? Put a hand out the for left to turn, a hand out the for right to turn, 
hand out the first stop. I hand out the first go. Mama made this a book must be for a man with a forehand. <laughs> so I'm sitting here studying when it suddenly has opened up for my door. Luigi, my friend, I was just passing by and I had to stop in. I just saw your car outside and I congratulate you on making such a wonderful deal. Oh, thank you, sure. <laughs> How much did the man pay you for taking it off his lap? <laughs> Please, I'm paying a man of $100 for this car. $100? Shulz, do you think I was a stuck? Oh, Shulz, I think I was stuck. Stuck? Luigi, you was harpooned. <laughs> With a car like that, I got only one piece of advice for you. What should I? Keep moving, because if you ever stop, people will think you are in an accident. <laughs> well, I got to go now. Goodbye, Luigi. Goodbye, Shulz. Oh, Luigi, sheer up. Smile. Nothing in this world is worth crying about. For a Shulz, I'm spending my last dollar on a bad car, and I'm going to go today for a drive and a test. I'm not going to understand the rules, and all that's left for me is to marry Pasquale's daughter, Rosa. If you wasn't in my place, what would you do? Himmel, would I let out a scream? <laughs> well, Luigi, I really got to go now. Now, come on, Luigi, be like me, always happy. Smile, smile! <laughs> my rheumatism has killed me. <laughs> Mamma mia, another hour I gotta take my driving test. Well, I better look in this traffic ruler book and study some more rules. To make a left hand turn, turn into the lane to the right of the center, turning into the roadway. <laughs> but to do not turn. <laughs> Mamma mia, I'm gonna think I'm gonna lost at the last turn. <laughs> well, I read it some more. To make a left intersection. Hello, Luigi, my little friend, and my countryman. What's new with you? Huh? Squally, ain't you mad at me no more? Me? I'm mad at you? Why, Luigi, shame on you. You should have known me better than that. You know, there's a two sides to my face. If one side is a mad out of you, the other side is a glad out of you. You know that. You're so right, Pasquale. That's why everybody is calling you two face. <laughs> It's a funny thing, and when I'm saying it, it come out of different. <laughs> hey, Luigi, what's that the pamphlet you're reading? Hold up, Pasquale. I gotta go for driver's test in an hour, and I'm studying the rules so I should have passed. Luigi, I'm gonna help you out. Nobody's to know more about a driver's test than me. I'm gonna take it ten times. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe you can tell me, Pasquale. All through this book is this word. Vehicle. V-E-H-I-C-A-E. Ooh, Luigi, you're lucky you got me to explain to you. That's a vehicle. <laughs> That's a mean a car what's a drunk. <laughs> That's, a, That's a what they call the auto intoxication. There's <laughs> a lot I can teach you. Now, say you drive in a car, you hit a man inside his home. What's this called? What? Home in the side. <laughs> big punishment is a go for that. Very big. They stamp on your license. Must wear glasses. Oh, Pasquale, thank you. Maybe now I have a chance to pass. Tell me, what do I mean by zones? That's a simple. 
driving a car is like a game. There's three kind of zones. T-zone, free zone, and an end zone. <laughs> if you hit a man in the T-zone, he's not going to smoke no more. <laughs> and if you hit him in the end zone, they push your car back a five yards. <laughs> What's the free zone? That's meaning you can park for nothing. <laughs> now take the traffic lights. Is a green light that's for go? Is a red light that's for stop? What's the yellow light for? That's for woman to drive. Is they can do whatever they want? <laughs> Papa Squally, thanks so much for your help. Don't mention it, Luigi. You just give these answers like I'ma tell you. And you're going to be fixed up for good. Next applicant. Pardon me, mister. You've been waiting here for two hours. What are you waiting for? Well, you've been calling for people who's a want the applicant. I'm waiting till you call the people who's the ones the drivers are like. Oh, I see. Well, take your learned permit to booth seven over there, and the inspector will give you your test. Thank you very much. Booth seven. Oh, there it is. Mamma mia, how am I going to drive my car in that little boat? <laughs> oh, excuse me, mister. Yeah, have a seat. You got your car outside? Yes. All right, now I'll ask you a few routine questions. First, uh, explain your hand signal. Sure. To make a signal, you got to stick out to your left hand. First, you got to let the window down. <laughs> left hand is to single right to turn, left to turn, and a pass. That's the width of the palm down. A palm down? When do you stick your hand out with the palm up? Only when you want to see if it's a rainer. <laughs> Are you sure you can drive a car? Sure, I'm sure. Well, let's go on outside for the road test. All right. Hi there. There's my car over there. Is that your car? Uh huh. I think we have a law covering that. <laughs> Let me look in my book under the C. Condemned. <laughs> hmm. They must have overlooked this model. Well, let's get in. Uh, does this car always sag like this? Oh, no. Only when a people is a sit in it. Okay, start it up. Choke it, choke it. Choke it to where am I going to grab it? Pull the choke out there. Oh. All right, it's out. Then now, where should I put it? Step on the gas. The car's gone. You see, it works. If it's too windy for you, I'm stopping to put in the windshield. Never mind. This is like going through D-Day again. <laughs> yeah, all right, there's a sign. It says no U-turn. What does that mean? Well, that's the simple. It says no U-turn. That's to mean it's my turn. <laughs> There's a stop sign. You want I should have stopped? 
I dare you. <laughs> of course, stop. Stop right on the corner of First Street. All right. I said First Street, not Second Street. <laughs> well, I was a close. Is it not so good, huh? Well, watch me on a signal. Hey, didn't you see that car behind you? Where's your rear vision mirror? What's the for I need the rear mirror? If I'm going to want to see who's behind me, I'm going to look back like a... Hey, look out! Look out! <laughs> Mamma mia, the car is a stop for the inspector as they keep on going. <laughs> you back into my car. What are you, a sadist? <laughs> it's a nice day. The sun is shining. I got a wife and four kids. I'll walk. Well, all right, so you walk. I'm a driver. When you get there, wait for me. You're too bad. And he was doing so well. <laughs> My friend, hello, Lou. Luigi, what are you doing with that steering wheel in your hands? Pasquale, I'm just taking my driver's test. Luigi, look at you. Hair is all mussed up, the clothes are dirty and a torn, a face all banged up, you're walking with a limp. You don't look like a driver, you look like a pedestrian. <laughs> What's happened? He's all mixed up. All I know is when I was driving back to the license bureau myself, a car is a come out to me. I'm a signal for a stop. I'm a put out the boat in my hands, but it's a big crash. Oh, Luigi. It is all my fault. I put my left hand out of the left window, but to my right hand it wasn't long enough to reach the other window. Neither you get your driver's license. But, well, not only am I not to get my license, but they take away my learner's permit. They say I'm a no can drive for at least the one year. And I'm not allowed to walk in the streets for two days. Oh, Luigi, Luigi, how could a one man get himself into so much trouble? Believe me, Pasquale, it's not easy. <laughs> what am I going to do? Man who's kind of ahead to say he's going to sue me for everything I'm got. Worse than that, Luigi. Man has probably got a 20 years of life in insurance. That means he can get you 20 years of the life. <laughs> Mama mia, Pasquale, save me, please. Luigi, don't beg. I'm going to help you out of everything. I'm even going to buy you a new car so you still can be proud like an American. Just to do me one favor. <laughs> All right, Pasquale, I'll marry your daughter. Well, say it like you mean it. Go ahead, she's awaiting. Call her yourself. All right. Russia. <laughs> Russia. Put some feeling in it. Russia. <laughs> yes, my little angel. You lovers are calling you himself. Russia, say hello to Luigi. 
Hello, Rosa. <laughs> Rosa, poor little Luigi was just in a terrible auto accident. What do you say to him? <laughs> Luigi, you want a band-aid? <laughs> oh, shut up your face! <laughs> Well, my children, I'm going to give you my blessing, and we're going to tell everybody... Oh, Mr. Basso, I'm so glad I found you in. Mama mia, that's the matter with the car I'm a hit. I'm going to fix everything, mister. Oh, are you his attorney? Well, look, I admit everything. It was all my fault. I'm, I'm willing to make amends. But uh, I had no right to be driving that car. I had no driver's license, no permits, nothing. But, uh, This has taught me a terrible lesson. Mr. Basco, I'm prepared to pay for my mistake. Did you promise not to press suit? I'm not to press suit. Oh, Oh, thank you. I'm one of the Senator Taylor. <laughs> but now, Mr. Bastro, let's settle this whole thing right here. I'm willing to pay you whatever that car is worth, say, uh, uh, five hundred dollars. Oh, no. A thousand dollars? No, no, no. Okay, you got me against the wall. How much do you want for the car? One hundred dollars. What? A hundred dollars? Well, here, take it, and thank you very much. Wait, another so fast, this is something else. What's the matter? Were you hurt? I got a hold of my pencil from the accident. It's going to cost you 40 cents for the patch. <laughs> Here and thank you. And good night. But, uh, well, Pasquale, thank you for teaching me about the traffic rules. You're a sister. But, uh, Luigi, what a fall you sticking out of your hand now? I'm making a right to turn the back to my store. But what about a rose, a butt to Luigi? Goodbye, a butt. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Gunsmoke, followed by Abbott and Costello. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.